Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Edric Show. I am your host, Edric Jerome. This is the place for intelligent conversation with interesting people. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button, ring that notification bell, and you will get notified when I post content each and every week. Uh, my guest today is actually one of my favorite people. She is so talented, but uh, we'll get to her expertise in just a minute. Let me give her her particulars. Uh, I want to introduce LaViola Ward-Tofani. She is an author and experienced mental health clinician. Through her speaking and writing, she hopes to spread joy and promote mindfulness and self-care while simultaneously helping to reduce many of the stigmas associated with mental illness, especially within communities of color. Today, we'll have a conversation about the upcoming holiday season, uh, the potential impact it can have on your mental health, and some tips and tools that you can use to make sure that you have a wonderful and safe holiday season. Bye. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me again. That's I was here before and it was absolutely a pleasure so i'm I'm just glad to be back around and kind of bring some updates yeah let's go let's go so uh I, you know the holiday season is here pumpkin spices in the air all that stuff is going on yeah. uh but it's also a time that can be very very stressful for people yeah. uh in general so let's start out with maybe uh what are some of the most common health challenges mental health challenges that people may face uh during the holiday season yeah, you're absolutely right. It is a stressful time. And I think stress pairs very well with anxiety, right? Um, most people either suffer situational anxiety, meaning just for this season, or, you know, a good amount of our population is suffering from generalized anxiety, which is anxiety a little bit more frequently. And that's definitely heightened um, during the holiday season. Um, I think depression does coincide with the holidays as well, um, although it's designed to be such a happy time and gift giving and um, family. Um, unfortunately, that involves some of the other parts of family. There are conflicts. Sometimes people are removed from, from their family or may not have a traditional family um, in the kind of TV movie sense. And that can be really difficult for people. Um, Financially, you know, inflation is high, things are higher priced. I think people over, overwhelm themselves with the notion of giving and trying to buy gifts and things. Um, so I definitely think it is a very sensitive time interwoven with a lot of connected mental health symptoms. And you definitely have to be vigilant in order to kind of not fall into those holiday blues. Um, and before we get to maybe some tips on on helping to reduce some of the anxiety and stress around the holidays, uh, I want to focus in a little bit on uh, particular uh, emotions, because, you know, folks who may not have loved ones anymore, there's there's sadness, there's grief. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they could feel guilty because, you know, maybe they didn't have the best relationship and the person's now gone. So these feelings and emotions come about. Uh, what are some of the ways that people can address those specific types of emotions during the season? Um, I really think it's important that if you have mental health support, like, for example, I am a therapist, I go to therapy still. Um, I think during the busy times when things are chaotic, holidays usually interrupt school schedules for kids, um, may interrupt work schedules, depending on where you work. I think it's really important to still prioritize ma making an effort to take care of your mental health. If you have, say, a diagnosis like depression or anxiety, especially if you have prescribed medication, during the holidays is not a time to kind of get lax on um, the meds. If you take something daily, make sure you continue to do that, even if you're on vacation visiting family over the holidays. Um, I definitely think 
we can't minimize the importance of communication. If you're having those struggles, if things are popping up, you find yourself really overwhelmed or feeling some of the symptoms, even if you don't have a prior diagnosis of a mental health condition during the holidays, talk with someone, right? Um, lots of workplaces have um, employee support systems where there are um, either counselors or some sort of mental health support available. Um, say something, speak up, talk to a partner, talk to a friend or family member, but I can't um, overemphasize the importance of talking to someone whose job it is to process those things, right? Um, we love, you know, family, loved ones that are supportive, but uh, your cousin is not your therapist, right? It's not necessarily their job to process everything that you might encounter, especially during the holiday season or a time with really heightened um, emotional distress. So, I can't emphasize enough, go see a person whose job it is to handle that sort of thing. Um, and nowadays with telehealth and um, even text um, chat lines and things like that, there's so many ways that you can access um, someone that can be of mental health support. I think it's a lot. I, I don't want to say the word easy. I think that suggests something different, but I do think it's more accessible. I will say that. I know stigma is very important to you and reducing stigmas. What would you say to the folk, the person out there who who may recognize some of the things you're talking about, but still can't get over that stigma of reaching out to a, a, a counselor or a licensed professional? How can you how can you help folks get over that last step to 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 release that stigma and say, you know, it's OK to reach out and talk to someone? You know, I think that that is probably my cross to bear. Right. I go to my family gatherings and I have a very traditional old school black family. Everybody thinks, you know, therapy is for those uh, families over there. And I am always working to try and normalize the idea of, yeah, we all need support, right? The stronger we are, in fact, the more support we may need when we're tackling more things, when we have more things to look up to. And there's been a lot of studies in terms of co cultural representation um, impacting your mental health maybe more, you know, there may be stress associated with just being a part of the African-American community or whatever community you identify with at a certain time, there may be a heightened level of stress just because of whatever's going on culturally. Um, so I think it's really important just to talk and normalize these conversations. Um, I am always talking to health. I'm sure the people around me are like, oh, yes, girl, I know. Yes, we'll go to therapy. But I think that's a part of it, right? I think the more that we talk about things and normalize getting care for things and disassociate ideas like crazy and weak with mental illness, I think that is a continued fight. I don't think it's done. Um, but I do think continuing to have these conversations like this, this podcast interaction will touch, you know, countless people who might be thinking, oh, maybe I'm feeling some of that stuff too, right? So I really think it's important to make talking about our concerns, talking about therapy, a really common, normalized thing. And that will only serve to allow us to get more and more mental health support. I will say, I'm a millennial. I was born in 86. My son is 12. And he kind of we have a really good dynamic where he helps me to stay young. I have young clients because I work at a youth agency. And so I'm always asking about like, you know, what, what songs are you listening to or whatever? I want to make sure I'm not aging out of everything, right? I will say the younger generation, they do a really good job of talking about mental health. 
they are aware, they understand certain elements of different diagnoses. There's a little bit less stigma, like you can tell um, a friend, you know, hey, I'm, you know, I have depression and they'll be like, oh yeah, no, you, you know, you can go to this counselor or call this line or whatever. I think the younger generation does a phenomenal job of minimizing that stigma. And I think our older generations can definitely, um, you know, take some of that inspiration and talk a little bit more openly and freely about our own mental health state, because that's where it starts. You know, that conversation might turn the tide of that person that you mentioned who's thinking, hmm, I'm having those thoughts as well. Someone mentioning in passing at work, hey, I'm about to go to therapy. I'll see you guys later might be enough for them to say, oh, she goes to therapy. Okay, well, let me call a therapist too and get some help, right? So we just have to keep talking about it. I think that's important. What would you say to the, those folks out there who who are ready to take that step, but maybe financially they can't afford mental health or are there are there resources out there for folks who may not have the, the ability to hire a, a therapist or may not have health care or access to mental health uh, uh, oh, counseling? Sure, absolutely. I will say that in Sacramento County, where I reside, I do think that there has been quite a bit of work um, that's gone towards funding mental health um, accessibility. Medi-Cal has been expanded for a lot of people, so they may be able to qualify without even knowing it. But I do say that people who absolutely don't have access to healthcare or are not able to enroll into some plan that has like therapist support, there are a ton of resources still available that are community-based that don't necessarily require any type of billing. Um, there's a lot of things, like I mentioned, the crisis text line earlier that doesn't you know, involve any sort of insurance or coverage. You just have to have a phone and maybe some Wi-Fi, right? Which is available at, you know, a Starbucks or a library or any of those types of um, places. If you're a student, oftentimes schools at different levels offer counseling services through the school so that you don't necessarily have to have um, a separate form of insurance. Or for college students, you can have, um, a, uh, what is it, a student health plan sometimes through mm -hmm. the enrollment, um, and you have access to um, therapist there. Actually, that reminds me, my very first um, sit down with a therapist was during my time at Cal State Stanislaus. Hmm. Um, I was at a really rough time in my life. I was really depressed. This is kind of what turned the tide and allowed me to later venture into the mental health field. I was an English ma major then, um, but I was having a really, really, really big life event going on. And I went to the university health center and they were like, yeah, let's get you in to see a clinician. And I saw a clinician that day and it was an older gentleman, looked like Mr. Rogers. He had a little sweater vest on. And I'm like, what is this man going to do? And it literally changed my life, right? I sat down and I just started pouring out all the stuff I had never told anyone. And he was just warm and welcoming. And he was like, yeah, that happens. Like, no, you're not crazy. This is totally normal. And that changed the tide for me. So I think if people can have that experience and understand that there's pretty much nothing that you've experienced that some other human somewhere hasn't also experienced, um, I do think that it makes it a little bit easier for them to at least try and reach out and get some support. Um, 211 is also a great resource here in Sacramento County. Um, you can call 211 and it's a you know toll free, just like calling 411 back in the day. Um, and they can pair you with resources. 
So you can say, hey, I have no insurance, but I need to see a therapist and they can kind of guide you and get you to some resources. Conversely, you can say, oh, I have Medi-Cal or I have Anthem Blue Shield through my work and they can help depending on what your coverage is to guide you to community resources in your area. Um, they will ask for some identifying information like your name and birth date and home zip code and maybe insurance information if you do have it, but they are able to pair you very well um, with resources. So I always will talk to them and they're nonpartisan. They're just through the Sacramento County Network, not for any particular plan. Um, what are some of the ways that you might have someone in your family who maybe you see something or, you know, what, what are some of the behaviors that would be, you know, a red flag for you to where, you know, you're not coming at them and, hey, what's, you know, it's like, ooh, I've, I've noticed. It. And then how do you have that conversation right. with that person that because they may not be aware of just what they're going through and how it's coming out and expressing itself? Sure. I think anytime you see a really big shift in what is expected, I think sometimes that can be a flag. For example, if someone you know has a pretty regular routine, say they get up at I don't know eight a.m. and they go to school, you know, and um, they're usually home in the evenings by say five, um, and then they socialize a little bit and talk to family and have a meal and then go to bed about ten, right? If they do that traditionally, and then all of a sudden you notice they're sleeping until noon, not once or twice, but like every single day for, you know, three, four weeks, um, you notice they're staying up all night, maybe they're shirking their responsibilities, they're not going to school, like when there's a really big noticeable shift, that would be something that I would flag, and I would have a conversation with them about whatever that observation is. Um, the way that you phrase it, perfect. Hey, I noticed. Normally you go to school. You haven't gone to school in like two weeks. What is going on? Like, can I help? Um, I think the tone of how we approach those things is super important too. Never want it to be accusatory. You never want it to be like, what's your, what's your problem? You know, um, we have to be accepting. We have to talk to people like we'd want to be talked to in that situation. And I think people just want to know that they're heard and understood um, and they don't want to be dismissed. You know, if someone says, I'm really sad, my cat died. You can't say, your cat? But that's not even a human. That's not a big thing. You shouldn't even be sad, right? Whatever it is that is wrapping itself around their mental health is important, right? Whether or not you find it to be as important as they do, that doesn't matter, right? People just need to be heard wherever they are. So I think it's important to approach people honestly and say, hey, this is what I noticed. I love you. I support you. I got your back. But how can I help? Right. Do you want me to like Google it? Do you want to try and find some support together? Because I just want you to be better. Um, and oftentimes that is a starting point for a lot of people to go get some support, whether it's counseling or maybe they need a medical checkup. Maybe there's something physiological going on. Um, whatever it is, usually if someone from the outside comes in, there's some accountability there. So people feel a little bit more inclined to say, yeah, this has been going on. Thanks for reaching out. Um, I'll try and call my doctor or something like that. But whatever you say, there's no perfect answer. Just approach it gently, right? You don't want to go and say, you've been in the house all week. What are you, lazy? What's wrong with you? That is a perfect recipe for someone to shut down and decide that they won't speak and that may propel them you know further into whatever it is that they're experiencing so we just want to be cognizant of our approach and make sure that we're welcoming and non-judgmental 
um, and try and help people in whatever way um, they may need support. Um, and my last question for you in, on this topic, because I do want to talk to you about uh, your books and some of the other things you've got going on. Um, I know you're an advocate for self-care. What are some of the self-care tools uh, and tips that people can use if they're getting to that point where they're feeling a little stress or some of the ways to, to just proactively approach this holiday season uh, under the umbrella of self-care? Right. I think um, self-care is so important, and I think it has gotten a little bit of some cliche attached to it, I think, because of social media and that sort of thing. I don't think that self-care is like a one-size-fits-all prescription, right? I think it is individual. It's very subjective. For example, you have an illustrious wall of records behind you. Maybe self-care for you is locking yourself in there for an hour with the music really loud and just vibing out to whatever it is that you love to hear. That's self-care for me. I commute to work and I turn up the music as loud as possible and zone out for my drive. And that's how I decompress after work. Self-care could be going uh, to the park with your kids, uh, but not just for them, for you to sit and enjoy nature and smell trees and grass and whatever. Um, Self-care, maybe knitting, you know, whatever activity it is that you find mindfulness, meaning like you can just kind of zone your brain out and relax for a little bit. I think it's important to focus on that, whatever it is, as long as it's something that impacts you positively more than negatively. Um, And I think it's important to schedule that too, right? Um, If you find yourself in a really hectic schedule, um, schedule that time. Maybe Saturdays at two is your self-care time and you make sure you get a pedicure or, or you make sure you go take a walk or whatever at that time. But I think in order to prioritize it, we have to include it into our schedule expecting ourselves to just make time for those things doesn't always happen um, because we will always prioritize other things like getting dinner ready or getting the kids to and from activities or, you know, time with your partner. Um, We'll always prioritize that over ourselves and we need to make sure we're prioritizing ourselves as well. Um, In in specific contexts related to the holidays, I think a lot of the stress of the holiday season lies in us waiting to the last minute, right? Remember that movie long and long time ago in the nineties, Jingle All the Way? Where yes. The, the dad was like fighting to get this toy and it was all sold out everywhere. And he's like running around town, fighting with people and stuff. That kind of conceptualizes the holiday stress. We wait until the last minute and then we power through we expect everyone to respect the fact that we are rushing and we need this this and this for our family and it's very stressful because of course the world is not going to accommodate you um and so we have to make more time for that right i started my um christmas shopping about two weeks ago right um i had a coworker that was like oh um october's here this is when i start my holiday shopping and i was like what that's early she's like yeah, she's like, I'm not about to be fighting in uh, Walmart on December 12th or something. So I said, yeah, let me start too. Maybe structuring our plans for the holiday season a little bit more spaced out can give us a little bit of the time. And for many of us, the financial security of plotting it out a little bit further rather than trying to dump everything on our shoulders at the last minute. And I definitely think plan- a little bit of planning goes a long way um, both when it comes to our mental health, but also in our practical life as well. Uh, and we just have to keep that in mind. Um, 
you're so much more than a clinician. You're so talented. You, you're an author and you're, you write and you're a foodie and uh, your mom and wife. And so I want to I want to <laughs> check, check, check. Right. Uh, I want to talk to you now. The last time I had you on uh, was when your children's books were being published, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, give me an update on your on the books you have out there now for folks who may not have you know seen that episode. Tell me about the books. Uh, anything in the pipeline? What's going on in the world of your literary side? Sure. Yeah. So I think when I talked to you, I had four books published. I have five now. Um, I have uh, four children's books. No, excuse me. I have six now. Four children's books. Um, and they're all featuring children of color and they evolve around kind of food, these food universes. Because again, I am a foodie and I love snacks. Um so my books are kind of my pride and joy. My son, who's 12, has actually co-authored two of the books with me. And I didn't just put his name on there. Like he actually wrote and revised with me. And we um, we I I used um, web design to do my illustrations because I cannot draw. That's not a talent that I have. Um, but I'm good on the computer. So my son was there with me curating and putting everything together. So it's just really visual visual and colorful and um it just probably peeking in my books is a little glimpse into my brain and it's kind of mirrors like my office behind me um that's how it looks in here it's like all this stuff but it's cute and it's kind of organized but it's all over the place um and that's what I've kind of channeled through my books and then I did um venture out into coloring books as well and again I haven't drawn them but I've visually designed um, all of the pages and essentially put collages together that are fun and whimsical so that people can have fun coloring, which is also one of my favorite measures of self-care. I will get down on the floor with my three-year-old and we will color together for hours. Um, that's definitely a mindfulness activity I love. I am working now to branch into mental health. So I'm working on an emotions book um, for kiddos. I'm still trying to incorporate the same ideas. I always want to represent children of color. Um, and I always want to make sure that we um, include fun things, nothing political or anything heavy. But I just want to make sure that, you know, people feel represented. And I'm trying to integrate children and fun and add in a little bit of mental health education as well. So I'm working on that now. I'm hoping to have that done by the end of the year. I'm honestly just busy. <laughs> I probably could have done more. I think as, as interesting as it sounds, um, COVID, um, the pandemic being home and having a bit of a different schedule, not commuting and that sort of thing for so long, um, did allow me to be a little bit more actively creative. So I do struggle with that now. It's a little bit of a slower process, but definitely still moving forward. And it's very cathartic for me to just get some of my brain stuff out onto a, a paper in a way that's you know beautiful. Um, so yeah, I feel really good about that. I also got into an art gallery this year. This was my very first um, art presentation. And that was through Stop Stigma Sacramento. I had um, a digital art piece because again I cannot draw but I can work a computer now and um you're artistic was, you know you let's say you can't draw so you're artistic you definitely are artistic right I think it's a you know that 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 old thought of modern uh problems require modern solutions exactly and that's that's <laughs> my artistic ex expression and um I did a digital representation of anxiety 
And um, that was picked up and got I got to go on a gallery tour. That was really exciting. So I, I, th I think I did a news piece on that as well. Um, and I got to meet one of the news anchors that I've just loved and watched for years. So that was really delightful. So yeah, I'm trying to just expand my creativity as I'm still honing my craft and, and preaching mental health to everyone. So keeps me busy, but yeah, definitely more on the horizon. I definitely plan to do more work and I'm planning to incorporate more mental health themes into that work. Cause I think there, there's no, um, time frame that's too early for kids to start talking about emotions and you know depression and feelings um, I know the old school thought is like if you have discussions with kids too young that you might implant some of these ideas in their head um, but I don't think that's true I think that we should have conversations with kids and teens and young people about these things in age-appropriate ways so of course, the conversation I have with a 15-year-old about depression is going to look different than the conversation I have with a three-year-old, but they're both conversations that can be had. And so I'm trying to weave those parts of my life together, the passion for mental health and art, and hopefully I'll have a, a product of that very soon. Uh, before we get into the last subject I want to touch with you, uh, where can people get uh, your books or get more information about you? Uh, Amazon, I think you, you can get your books on Amazon. Where else can they go to, to get um all things Laviola Ward. It's funny. Yes. Um, I um, do have an Amazon author's site, and that's pretty much where I keep most things now. Um, it is amazon.com slash author slash Laviola. It's a little long, but um, Amazon has been such a wonderful um, kind of conduit for um, all of the media that I've published, and they it's seamless, right? I've been able to send things to my family, my in-laws in Italy. They've been able to order things and pick it up. So I definitely will continue to, to focus on that. Um, on social media, I do have my social media handle that is kind of silly is Medium Ghetto Mama. And I feel like I thought to change that when I got more into speaking. But the reason why I kept that is because I really think that that is my world. I'm trying to be the bridge between the way that I grew up, very old school, traditional, uh, a little ghetto, right? And I'm trying to pair that with academics. I definitely think I'm academic minded and I love empirical knowledge. And I'm trying to merge the two worlds because sometimes they are seen as very different, right? Uh, maybe contrasting even in some, some perspectives. And so I know it's a little silly, but I think it accurately represents myself and my priority. I am a mother first, um, and my children, I think, influence all of my work, both in mental health and in my creative work. Um, but, you know, I know where I come from, and I think that's very important, too, because when I talk with my clients and caregivers, I do a lot of um, advocacy and speaking in the community, and I always hear Girl, you are so real. You said you just you just feel very authentic. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's because I have to really stay true to who I am, because I know that in order for me to be able to reach some people, they need to know that I'm not just reading from a book and telling them what I think they want to hear. But I'm actually um, referring to lived experience. I come from an area that all of the things that I do were very foreign. And um, that's why I'm working so hard. So. Um, yeah, so my my socials, Medium Ghetto Mama, is 
something that I think I will hold on to as kind of my my brand theme. And I will continue to be the bridge between the the hood and, you know, academic um, life and a love for mental health. Mental health, you know, doesn't discriminate. It's all over the hood, suburbs. I've spoken at, you know, little tiny community churches and Fortune 500 companies. And the people at the end tell me the exact same things. They tell me, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you had those experiences. I've been depressed, too. I tried to commit suicide before. I had those same experiences and traumas. Um, And it never discriminates. There's never a difference in story because I'm in a richer or a poorer place. Um, The human experience is universal. And so that's what I'm I'm trying to um, make sure that I continue to reach uh, coming from an authentic place. Uh, the last area I want to uh, dive into with you is uh, around the area of food. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm going to take a privilege and ask just a personal question for me. So my daughters, are, they're grown now, but they've they've gotten me out and I've been trying Korean barbecue. You know, oh, yeah. I'm very picky. I'm mm-hmm. pretty much, you know, I know what I like. I know what I'm not going to eat. Right. And and my my youngest daughter, you know, bless her heart. She's like, you know, dad, you need to try some stuff. You need to mm-hmm. you need to get out. So. What would you say to someone like me who, you know, I'm not going to say I'm, you know, laser focused, but I, 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 I'm not as, ex, uh, I don't take a lot of risks with food if I don't know what, what's in it and that, you know, who cooked it. You know, I'm just, I'm one of those kind of folks that I, I freely right. admit that tips to me because she wants to take me to other types of uh, restaurants. So what, huh. what, what, what do I need to do? What do you find is difficult in trying new food? Is it the is it like textures? Is it all of the above? Okay. <laughs> all of the above. I I'm mean, not a big sauce guy. You know, I like I, I like burritos and things like that. But when you start putting sour cream and sauce and all, yeah. I'm I'm not into that. I'm just a uh, you know I'm I'm just very picky about what I like to eat. That's fair, but I think you might be able to find in any venue some similarities, like if you're a meat and potatoes guy you can yep. probably find a very like base meat dish that has some sort of starch maybe rice in one place or maybe some sort of um like couscous or something like that depending where you are i would be open about that though i think a lot of times especially when we get into more very niche um very culturally specific cuisines um, people are really excited if you're going to try their cuisine for the first time, right? I don't think, and if you don't approach it in a rude way, like you don't want to right. come there, like, yeah, I don't eat this. Right. So what do you got that's like meat and potatoes? That's not the best way to approach it. But I think if you go in respectfully and curiously and you let them know, listen, I'm a little funny, but like, do you have, can you recommend a thing that's like, you know, a little bit more on the plain side? Like, I really love pork so can you rep, rep, you know recommend something that's like pork and maybe a starch or a vegetable because i really like broccoli so anything like that a lot of times they'd be glad to kind of lean you one way or the other um and i i would say that most times you're gonna find something that that you like yeah think about it there's kids in every culture right, right. and kids are never going to eat every single thing on the menu and all the sauces and all the whatever so they are prepared to give you something that's a little bit simpler, but you may find one different rice grain or something is like the best thing you've ever eaten, even mm-hmm. if your tastes are a little bit simpler. So I would just say, you know, communicate that when you go to a place and let them know, this is my first time here. I have no idea what to eat. Could you recommend something that's a little bit on the simple side? Um, and usually they're they're happy to accommodate you as long as 
you have a good attitude about it. Right. Don't go with care and energy like, I don't eat this. <laughs> be offended or, or, or what is this? You know. Right. And, <laughs> right. And you know what? If, if you ask in the right way, you can. Like, hey, right. um, I've never heard of this thing. Can you tell me like how it's prepared? I'm telling you, they nine times out of 10, if it's not, I think you might have difficulty in like really busy venues. Like if you go to Vegas and you're, you know, on the strip at some 10,000 people restaurant, yeah, probably going to have some difficulty. But if you're going to like some mom and pop's restaurant on the side of Palo Alto or something like that, they're probably going to have no problem telling you what's in it, how they prepared it in a way that you feel comfortable eating it. So don't eat anything you don't feel comfortable with, but definitely communicate. And I think you'd be surprised. You probably will find some stuff, even one little seasoning could make the difference. And you might find something that you've been missing your entire life. Right. So duly noted, duly noted. And I, I wrote down some notes. And as I said, I, but she's taken me to Korean barbecue about three or four times now. I really okay. loved it. It was fantastic. Yeah, I was full for like two days. You know, yep. I <laughs> had to come home and lay down. Odds here locally. <laughs> yes, that's exactly yeah, where yeah. we went. Yep. yep. With, uh, my daughter's birthday a couple of weeks ago, we went there. Yeah, uh, we've been sure. to one in Concord and a couple other places. So yeah. uh, I'm I'm venturing out. I'm venturing yeah. out. And I'm, I'm going to try new yeah. things. There's. Have you guys tried? Have you tried the Brazilian steakhouse? Uh, they, you know what? Here in my Solano County, there's just opening up one in the mall. Uh, okay. I forget the name of it. So I have not tried one yet, okay. uh, but that is on our list as well to try. That, that's I think there's good, one in Vacaville too. Yeah. Some of those, like the way the food is positioned there, I think that's a good venue for trying stuff because they don't, they're not giving you just one plate where you just have to like it or not eat. Um, they're coming around and giving you several options and they'll ask you, do you want to try this? You can look at it. You can ask, what is that? um they'll bring 10 types of meat out you know and you can say oh no i'm not touching that or oh yeah sounds good um so maybe a format like that would be a little bit more appealing if you're like not quite sold on the cuisine um i found really good experience in the brazilian steakhouses excellent excellent i appreciate your insights and guidance and uh that is definitely something for me to work on yeah, over the next well, now i'm months. hungry now so thank you for that <laughs> my pleasure <laughs> So, uh, LaViola, again, uh, I always enjoy talking with you. You're so talented. Um, you know, you're down to earth. You have a fantastic sense of humor. You make me laugh. Uh, and, you know, and that's, I think that's so important favorite, for people to have. Favorite compliment. I, I try, whenever I make people laugh in when I'm doing mental health talks or therapy, I'm like, thank you. See, I thought I was funny, right? <laughs> you are. You are. And just stay that bright light that you are. All the uh, you know, best wishes to your beautiful family. Thank you. Uh, uh, just congratulations on everything, all of your accomplishments. And I really, really appreciate you taking the time to help us uh, with some tips about mental health issues around the holiday season. So thank you for that. Absolutely. I appreciate you keeping the conversation going because at the end of the day, that is what matters. We have to make sure we're all okay. You know, we're in this together. Excellent. Excellent. Lavola Ward Tafani, mental health clinician. Thank you so much for being on the Edric Show. Really appreciate it. Again, this is the Edric Show. I am your host, Edric Jerome. I want to thank you for tuning in. This is the place for intelligent conversation with interesting people. Please hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell. Subscribe, 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 <laughs> subscribe again. Uh, tell your friends to subscribe. Open up a new YouTube account. Subscribe. Just subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Uh, as we stay on this journey, uh, bringing you this interesting content each and every week. Thanks for tuning in, and we will catch you on the next episode.